love is this. There I am. All right. I was just wondering what other name where it's written that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. If I said Tom, Jack, Jason, no other name given among men whereby we must be saved, save the name of Jesus. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. And I, I just wonder how many folks in this walk of life have heard that verse and said, well, not me. Well, maybe not now, but you will later. That's a promise from God. God's word will be fulfilled. You know, we, we don't think about it a lot of times because we're kind of limited to our thought philosophy. I, 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 I've always said I'm not the smartest person in this room this evening. Uh, and, and I'll be honest with you, if every one of us uh, was to go around, everybody in this room would probably know something about something that nobody else knows. Um, and not, not, you know, not to be too ornery, but uh, if you stop to think about it, how many of you can read a gas meter? From 20 feet. I got my glasses on, I probably can steal from 20 feet. But I can read one. So I know something you don't know. And you stop to think about that. But you know things that I don't know. The smartest person in this room is the person we don't usually look at, and that's Jesus. But yet he knows everything. And he knows all things. And he's known it from the beginning of time. And he'll know it until the end. And there is no end with him. And that's an amazing thing to think about this. He can see the future as far as the future goes. Well, you and I can't. I mean, just stop and think about how far into the future we look. I really, I, I, it's like this. I look forward to the time that I retire, but I really don't know what retirement looks like. I thought about that, you know, but I'm looking forward to it. Some folks retired, said they work harder now than they did when they were at work. They're busier now than they were when they were working. And the difference is they get paid less. Social Security is not the same as hourly wages. And you don't get a raise when you, when you do a good job, you know. There's these things there. Got your Bibles, go with us to the book of Genesis, the 21st chapter. Talk to us for just a little bit tonight about the word everlasting. Everlasting. We thought about that word. The Bible tells us that whosoever believes on Jesus has everlasting life. This also says eternal. Two words that you and I right now cannot really grasp, but we love those two words when you stop to think about it. I love the everlasting life, and I love the eternal life. And I've not reached there yet, but I'm planning on getting there. But I love those words even though I don't fully comprehend them because I don't know what they look like. We just stop to think about it this evening. If you would stand with us, we'll read just a couple of verses here this evening, starting where we'll just read 33, and that'll be good enough for us. Genesis 21, 33. And Abraham planted a grove in Beersheba and called there on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. I want you to think about this tonight. Who was Abraham? 
talking to. Father, this evening I'm thankful and I'm grateful to God for who you are and what you've done. And Lord, I understand tonight that I yet cannot comprehend who you are in the aspect, dear God, that I, I've not seen you in, in the fullness, dear God. I couldn't understand it if I did, but yet tonight, dear God, I love you so much and I'm so, so, so thankful, God, that I'm able to serve you. Lord, that you reach down to touch me. And dear God, these that are here tonight, Father, you've moved and worked in their lives. I know it, Father, or else they wouldn't be here this evening, dear God. Lord, I pray tonight that there would be others, Lord, who you've worked in their lives, dear God. And Father, they'd start sending, uh, standing up with us and sitting with us, dear God, on Sunday evenings. And Father, I pray tonight, Lord, that your will would be done in our lives. God, help us to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in your work. Father, I pray tonight just that your will be done in my life. In Jesus' name I pray. And amen. Amen. You may be seated this evening. Now, those of you who've got the, the cheat sheets, you got all the verses. I won't go through all of them tonight, possibly. But I will tell you this. When you think about Abraham and the covenant that God made with Abraham and then the things that God asked Abraham to do, and you think about all these things here, now we've got Isaac, we're going on through here, but here, here's the deal. It comes down to this, that they made a covenant or a covenant there. And Abraham planted a grove in Beersheba and called there on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. Why would he call on anybody else? I mean, I just, I've, I've thought about this a lot, and I've heard different preachers preach on this and stuff, and, and I really didn't comprehend all of this, but Abraham, after that he had Isaac, who is the promise, just think about this, his life was forever changed, and he began to, if you stop thinking about it this way, we don't read this, we don't understand this, we don't see all of this, but, but life would change dramatically for Abraham at this point. And what began to happen is, the promise of God began to be fulfilled. Abraham's seed began to be as the stars of the sky and the sands of the seashore so that they could not be counted. I would say this in two ways tonight. You, there's no way to number all those that were of Abraham's seed coming from Isaac. And by the way, it went beyond just that aspect there to the covenant seed that Abraham had. All those who have been born again in Jesus Christ because of the promise that God gave him. And you and I tonight join heirs with Jesus Christ, becoming part of that. When, when I've said many times the scripture there, here is not a Jew that is one outwardly, but rather one that is inwardly, the circumcision of the heart and not of the flesh, and how the seed of Abraham begins to blossom and grow. Why else would he call on anybody but the everlasting God? I mean, just think about it. By the way, in your Bible there, everlasting God is only found four times. I thought that was real good because we have the gospel of Jesus Christ and he gave us everlasting life. And we read all about Jesus as he talks and teaches in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The four gospels of the Bible. It is the gospel, but we have what we call the four gospels of the Bible. Why not four gospels if you've got an everlasting God? Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 10 says, but the Lord is true is the true God. Can I, 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 you know, just stop right there. The Lord is the true God. It lists some things here. He is the living God, an everlasting king, 
and at, excuse me, at his wrath the earth shall tremble and nations shall not be able to abide in his indignation. In other words, he has the last word. I, I read this and I think about this and I just I want you to comprehend something. The Lord is a true, is the true God. I shared this morning about the gods that have ears and cannot hear, eyes and cannot see, mouths and cannot speak, legs and cannot move, hands and cannot do anything. And I, I talked about that. But God is this, this God that I'm serving tonight, this God that you're serving tonight, if you're serving the God of the Bible, he is the true God. But he's also the living God. Makes a great big difference there, doesn't it? To have a living God versus a dead God or a stone God or a invisible, unseeable, unknowable, untouchable, unfillable God. I mean, just start to think about that one for a second. But there are some who just believe there is a God, but they have no idea what he is. They have no idea where he is. They have no idea what he could do. And I'm just telling you tonight, I serve the true God. I serve the living God. The one that I know that I feel in my heart, that, that, that makes me happy, that gives me joy, that brings me understanding. And, and by the way, the one that chastises me because he loves me every so often rebukes me. And I tell you, you say, Brother Arnie, God rebukes you. I, God's rebuked me more than once in my life. I'm just here to tell you tonight, but then he, an everlasting king. He rules and reigns, regardless of whether anybody believes it or not. You know, if you start to think about it this way tonight, if Prince Williams becomes king, and he, he becomes king over there, not everybody under his authority, in other words, all of his subjects, so to say, they're not going to obey him. He, he's just a, a man who's got a title. But see, my God's not a man with a title. My God is the title. He is the everlasting king. He will get his way in the end. If you stop to think about it tonight, if, if again, going back, if William becomes prince and he's sitting over there, or king, he sits on the throne, he can make every decree he wants. But in the end, the hearts and the minds of the people, if they don't want to obey, they don't have to obey. It will not bother one way or the other. And when they die, it does not matter. But if you die not accepting God as your king, it will matter. For all eternity of the matter. Remember, I love those two words. You and I as Christians love those two words, everlasting and eternal. We don't understand them fully yet, but we have an everlasting king, an everlasting God, an everlasting living God. So it goes on, he's the everlasting king, his wrath shall the earth tremble, and the nations shall not be able to abide in his indignation. Nobody will stand up in the end. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 28, it says, How hast thou not known, hast thou not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator, the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary, there is no searching of his understanding. He's the creator. He fainteth not. He never gets tired. And you can search and you'll never get all that he has, but there is yet no searching of his understanding he understands everything. I mean, I, I love that one there. And, and, and again, tonight, I'm not trying to uh, uh, 
miss too many of them here, but, but just focus on these things just a minute. Go over there to Isaiah chapter 40. I want you to look at this for just a moment, a little closer than, than, than just me reading the verse and, and you hearing it there. Isaiah chapter 40. Back up with me just a little bit. Verse 27. Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel, my way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God? God sees all. God understands all. Hast thou not known? Now, now think about it this way. In the book of Hebrews, Jesus said that everything is open and naked before God. Nothing is hid. Nothing is here. He goes on. He says, Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, faineth not, neither is not weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the roof, even the youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait on the Lord, upon the Lord, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with these eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. If you stop to think about it this evening tonight, God can do things that nobody else can do. And by the way, God can renew us if we'll just be renewed in Him. You'll give me just a minute tonight. There's a couple of things running on me right now. The sweat and my nose. I'm thankful this evening. Look at verse 29 as we follow that. He giveth power. Power. What's power to God? Well, he's the God of creation. He's the God of the end. He's the God of the middle. He, I've I, I read the scripture there that said that God knew yesterday before it came, knew today before it got here, and knows tomorrow. He knows everything. I thought, what a burden that would be to know everything, and yet God doesn't use it as a burden. God uses it as a timer, because God knows when the last person will be saved. God knows when the last one's going to confess his name. And by the way, when the last one is, God, God's not rushing the time, but when the last one is, then that's when Jesus is coming back. But until then, he gives power to the faint. To you and I tonight, I, I just was sitting there and, and playing the bass, and, and I'll be honest with you, I closed my eyes a couple of times, and I just was, was thinking about the song, but then I found myself, I thought, boy, you better open them eyes. You're going to fall off that stool. God gives power. It's just one of those things, church, and, and I'm thankful for that. He says, to them that have no might, he increases strength. 
I mean, we're, we're not talking about just anybody. We're talking about the everlasting God. He does not run out because he does not run out. Think about it for a second. Romans chapter 16, verse 26. You can stay in Isaiah. We'll be back there in just a minute. But in verse 26, it says, But now is made manifest by the scripture of the prophets, according to the commandments of the everlasting God, made and known unto all nations for obedience of faith. Think about this. God's made these things. Again, I don't, I don't want you to go there. You can look that up if you want to in a little bit. But go to Isaiah 26. We changed because God is able to do many things. Not is the only the everlasting God, but, but this is only found one time in Scripture. He is everlasting strength. I, I have to tell you something. I'd like to say that by the time I get to be as old as, as, old as Caleb, I was as strong then as I was in my 40s. And by the way, I feel weaker now, so that means I'd have to get stronger to get there. But when he was 80 years old, he said, I am as strong as I was when I was 40. He must have had a better workout plan than I did. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 1. And in that day, this song shall be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. Salvation will God appoint for walls of bulwark. Open ye the gates, and the righteous nations which keepeth truth may enter in. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. We're talking about God right here now, church. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Now, now you can look at it one of two ways. You could say that God is able to make me as strong as I need to be from here to eternity. Or I could look at it like this. When I get to eternity, I will never get weaker like I do today. Because again, he's the God of everlasting strength. I love that. I wish that I had the strength that I used to have. I don't know what I would do with it, to be honest with you. I'm getting tired, therefore I want to retire. Think about it that way now. Peace of God. Psalms 41, 13. Bless the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. You don't have to turn to these. But, but I want you to look at this. He said it again. Bless the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. And let all the people say, amen. Praise you the Lord. That's 106, 48. In 103, 17, it says this, But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting upon them that fear him and, excuse me, and his righteousness under the, under the children's children. And the promise that Abraham had was that God would make an everlasting covenant. It would go from generation to generation. I've got that in here in just a minute there. And I was reading about that, how that it was going to go passing down there. And I thought to myself, an everlasting covenant, one that never ends. God made that covenant, by the way. And when God makes a covenant that's everlasting, he can do it. Because why? He is the God that has mercy that goes from everlasting to everlasting. You and, my, you and me, we have limited time. 
mercy sometimes. You ever thought about that? Today I'm okay with you, but tomorrow I might not be. Today what you're doing is all right, but tomorrow I may be fed up and be done. I'll just be honest with you. Sometimes we work and we work with folks, and they don't ever change, and, and you get tired of them not changing. And I, and I have to be honest about this. I, I, Thursday afternoon, I got really upset. I got mad. I, I, I mean, I was just, uh, and I just unleashed uh, uh, my anger. And you may not think I can get mad like that, but, but I did. I got mad, and my blood was up. And on Friday morning, I had to call the person that I had talked to. Now, I wasn't mad at them, but I had no business letting my anger out in their presence. And I told them I was sorry. I apologize. I shouldn't have acted that way. You know, they said, thank you, but don't worry about it. They, it was no big deal to them. Let me tell you something. It was a big deal to me. I'm telling you, God rebuked me. That's, that's one of those times God rebuked me on Thursday evening there, the everlasting God, he, he shows mercy to me, and, and I got mad, and I withdrew my mercy because my anger was flared up. If you're perfect, I'll draw water, and we'll see. Can you walk? Um, he's God from everlasting to everlasting. Psalms 92. Verse 2, before the mountains is brought forth, wherever thou foundest form of the earth of the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. I, I, I just tell you, church, tonight again, looking at the word everlasting, he is the everlasting God. He is the everlasting king. He has the everlasting strength. He is everlasting and to everlasting, and then he's everlasting to everlasting. And then he's the everlasting God again declared. And then we went over to Genesis in chapter 9. This is where I was talking to you about the covenant. Genesis chapter 9. It didn't take God very long, by the way, to get in to making a covenant. If you stop to think this even for just a moment, God had always had a plan. Jesus was before ordained from the foundation of the world that he would suffer, that he would die, that he would be crucified on Calvary's cross. Forgive me tonight, church. I don't know what has got a hold of me. But in chapter 9, go over there just a little bit. Let's start here in verse 12. And God said, there is a token of covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you from for perpetual generations. I do set my bow in the clouds. And then I shall be, excuse me, and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. And it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bowl shall be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. For the bow shall be in the cloud. And I will look upon it, and I may 
excuse me, that I may remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, this is the token of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is upon the earth. The rainbow, we know this, was the promise of God that he would never again destroy the earth by flooding it. And there was a few years ago we wondered how close he was going to get. But he promised he would never do it again. Destroy the whole earth. But what do we find written in the book of Peter, in the Revelation, that one day this world will melt with a fervent heat. It will one day be destroyed. It will be burned up. As a matter of fact, you can look at it this way. One day it will be purified and that it burns and God creates a new heaven and a new earth. The purification process is that you melt something down and you skim all the waste off the top. And the rest of it's pure. That's how they get pure gold. And you think about it this way. Sometimes it may go through the refiner's fire several times. But when God refines something, church, you don't have to go several times. He does it right the first time. In chapter 17, we find him talking again. He said, I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee in, for, in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. He was talking here now about the promise of Isaac and that God was going to make again the everlasting covenant. He, he made one that he would never flood the earth again, but now he's making one that he's going to be a God and the God, the true God, the everlasting God, and he's going to show everlasting mercy from generation to generation to all those who will receive it, to all those who will get it, I would tonight that every person would be born again. I would tonight that no church would be empty, but every pew would be full because of people who got saved and wanted to come and hear the gospel. But, but we know this, there's going to be more going to hell than there's going to heaven. And it's a shame to think about it because it's a lot harder, in my opinion, to go to hell than it is to go to heaven. How can you fight against God all your life? And look at everything that's going on and deny God. How, how is it possible to read a Bible or to hear a message that the Bible says that it'll wax worse and worse in the end? And we look around and we say, oh, it's getting worse. It's getting terrible. It's getting bad. Hey, church, that ought to be key to go, hey, the Bible is right. And instead, they just blame everything but the problem. Sin is the problem. Jesus is the answer. Didn't jump back with you if you did. Should have had you hold your place in Isaiah. This will be the last time we're in Isaiah, but now we're in the 55th chapter of Isaiah. By the way, we was here this morning. We was here on Wednesday night. Again, my apologies. Verse 1, it says, Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come unto me. Come ye to, buy, to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do ye spend money on that which is not bread, and ye labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat that which is good. And let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear and come unto me. Now, now church, listen to me carefully. Look at what he said. Incline your ear. Hear. Hear. 
That's so important to hear. Incline your ear and come unto me. Hear and your soul shall live. Why? I will make an everlasting covenant with you. Even the sure mercies of David. You just thought to think about it this evening. Jump way ahead with me, church. God made the promise. God fulfilled the promise. In the last place I'll be tonight, I skipped your verse there. I'll read it to you in just a minute there. Over in the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, go there. While you're going there, I'll read to you the verse that I skipped. Ezekiel 37 and 30, 26. Moreover, I will make a covenant of peace with them, and it shall be an everlasting covenant with them. And I will place them and multiply them, and I'll set my sanctuary in the midst of them forevermore. By the way, he's talking about those that will be obedient unto him. He was talking about those that would turn to him, as we talked about this morning. He was talking about those who would choose him. God has a desire, not for a temporary relationship, but rather for a permanent relationship. And you just stop to think about that this evening. Hebrews chapter 30. 30. <laughs> I'll tell you what, tonight, church, you pray for me again. Chapter 13, starting in verse 18. Pray for us, for we trust we have good conscience and all things willing to live honestly. I'll tell you something, church, I, I want to live honestly. I know I'm imperfect. In, I'm not perfect. I'll be evidenced by that by, by now tonight. But look at this. Pray for us, for we trust we have a good conscience in all things willing to live honestly. There's a lot of folks today don't, don't believe honesty even matters. Can I, can I tell you something? If I was to agree to buy something from you, you would you honestly think that you would have to make a, a contract with me? Or could we do it on a handshake? I mean, a man is only as good as his word. A contract does not matter if the word is not good. I'm just going to tell you the truth. But there was a time when it was a handshake. And that handshake meant more than any other thing you could have done. It, it was, if the handshake was, was, was the word of the man and the man's word was all he had until he fulfilled that word. And I'm just telling you tonight. That God wants us to live honestly and be honest. And their desire was to be honest there and honest and truly tonight. If we could ever get back to a time where even amongst brothers and sisters in Christ, if a handshake could be good enough. But can I tell you, there are even some, though, who sit in the house of God who would break a contract. Regardless of whether they'd shake your hand or not. It's a sad day we're living in. But I beseech you that you rather do this that I may be restored unto you sooner. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead the Lord Jesus. And, and I'm going to say something right here. He's told us that he brought the Lord Jesus from the dead. And he's told us that because Jesus come from the dead, you and I could come from the dead. 
He who raised him up in the last day will raise us up to be with him. Though I be dead, yet shall I live. Why? Jesus said, though he be dead, yet shall he live. Martha said, Lord, I know he'll live in the resurrection of the last day. He that liveth and believeth in me, never dying. He was still alive. Lazarus' body was wrapped up, but Lazarus was alive. Brother Arnie, now we know that Lazarus was dead. Now listen to me carefully. Lazarus believed in Jesus. So how could Lazarus be dead? Maybe that soul was separated from that body, but, but Lazarus, the body was dead, but Lazarus himself, real Lazarus, the soul, he was alive. Otherwise, God would be alive. You know, I said, brother, I don't, I don't know about that. I don't get that. Huh? Think about it. Just a second there. He that believeth on me shall never die. So he couldn't have been dead. He just separated. Temporary time, separated. I, I don't know where he was. I don't know where Lazarus was. I don't know. He was asleep. The body was absolutely dead. But when Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth, everything was brought together, and he came out there bound. You say, Brother, I don't know. I'm telling you, I don't know how to explain it. Just think about it. The soul didn't die. The soul did not die, church. Food for thought there, isn't it? Anyway, now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, though through the blood of the everlasting covenant. I'll, I'll tell you something, church. When, when God started back in Genesis and he made the token covenant with the rainbow, then, then he went on to make the covenant with Abraham. And it goes on down through there. The covenant continues to go. We find it in David there. It keeps on going down there. It never stops. People may have stopped, but God's covenant never stops. It gets down there to Jesus. And one day on Calvary's cross, Jesus Christ dies. His blood is shed for you and I. And we know this tonight. But the blood was the everlasting covenant. It never will be changed from this point forward. And you and I who put our faith and our trust in him are enjoined in the everlasting covenant. That's why we say we have everlasting or eternal life. Why? Not because of what I done, but because he is the everlasting covenant. Amen. By the way, if I'm not mistaken, I have to look it up in scripture again, but I'm positive in this. I'm 99.9% .9 sure. This is the last mention of an everlasting covenant in this aspect. And it's that God is the God of peace. He brought to life the Lord Jesus, who is the great shepherd of the sheep. I'm a sheep. Through the blood of the everlasting covenant. In which you and I deny to put our faith and our trust and we are our belief. And we've exercised ex exercising this, the promise of God, that he will one day fulfill his promise. And you and I will be with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll be with God the Father. And, and, I, and I know people, I, I'm going to be honest with you, church, tonight, I, I've tried to figure this one out for a long time. If Jesus sent the Holy Ghost back to live in my life and to live in your life, 
when we get to heaven and we no longer need the Holy Ghost there, where will he be? He's going to be somewhere. Because he don't die either. The Trinity does not die just because you and I are not here. Jesus is at the right hand of God. Now think about that for a second. He is God in the flesh, and yet he says, the Father sent me. So God is in heaven. Jesus is on earth. Jesus dies, returns to God, sits at the right hand of God, and he's sitting there making intercession, and yet the Holy Ghost has come down here. Where does he go when we're done? I don't know, but I'd love to see what he looks like. <laughs> I'd love to see what God looks like. I'd love to see what Jesus looks like. And when I get to see it, you know what, church? It'll be like I've known it all my life. And amazing things that'll happen when we get to heaven by trusting in God, who's the everlasting God. He's the everlasting King. He has everlasting strength. His mercies are from everlasting to everlasting. His blessings are from everlasting to everlasting. And he is the only one who can make an everlasting covenant. I'm thankful for that this evening. Would you stand with us tonight? Father in heaven, we're so glad and so grateful and so thankful to come to you, Lord, tonight. God, so many things, Father, we would say that, Lord, if I got to heaven, I'm going to ask you. And yet, and I know, dear God, tonight when I get to heaven, I won't have to ask you a thing. For I'll know everything I need to know. And everything that I don't know won't be a need to know. Lord, tonight we just praise you. We love you, dear God, and we thank you. We just ask thy mercies be upon us and give us the strength and guidance that we need, Father, to make it what we make it, make in this life that which you desire for us to do. And for that tonight, Father, we'll give you glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' holy name. And amen. And amen. Thank you tonight for your prayers, for your attention, your willingness.